0: And um, anybody have any idea what I'm going to teach about tonight? Love. love, love, love. Is that all right? Part four. All right. Love one another. Love one another. Amen. The um, the last couple of weeks, the Lord's been dealing with us about His command uh, towards us to love one another. But He's also been dealing with us not about just the command to do so, but about the blessing that comes. Uh, as we love one another, now, and uh, as I mentioned last week, I, I don't believe that God is speaking to us about this for no reason. I don't believe that anything the Spirit does is is without purpose. But God has a purpose, and when God does something, He does something with divine order, and uh, this is there there is divine purpose to what He's talking to us about. And I truly believe that God has seen our desire for greater harvest. I believe this with all my heart. I believe he has seen our desire for greater revival and greater harvest and, and uh, greater things. And because of that, he's, he's showing us what it takes to not just talk about those things, but to actually experience those things. We said it last week. If true harvest, to experience true harvest, if it was easy, everybody would be seeing it. But it's not easy. For we like to, how I many know we like to talk about packing the church out? And we like to talk about witnessing the miraculous. And we like to talk about, you know, seeing a bunch of people saved. And yet we don't always want to do the sometimes hard and difficult things necessary in order for those things to become a reality. Come on now, I'm one of us. So what do we do? Sometimes we just content ourselves in talking about stuff for years without ever seeing it. We talk about it because it makes us feel like we're doing something we're supposed to be doing. As long as we're talking about it, it's all right. Right? As long as we're talking about it, then you know we're 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 kind of uh, you know moving in the right direction, but we kind of know full well that we might not want to do that which was necessary in order to actually experience it, because if we were to do what was necessary, we probably would have done it three years ago. But here's what I feel in my spirit. I'm not beating anybody up tonight. What I feel in my spirit is that God has looked upon us as a church. And he has seen within this church a contingency of people who have become truly willing to do whatever needs to be done in order to see what God has promised us. And because he has seen the willingness of some hearts in this room to not just talk about it, but are willing to do what needs to be done. And he's seen that. He is now systematically giving us instruction And he is now giving us revelation of what it takes to walk in the fulfilled prophecies that are resting upon us as a church. Can I get a witness in the Holy Ghost? Can I get a witness in the Spirit right now? One of the greatest things that has to be made manifest as he's talking to us about this stuff, you know, if, if, if you were to ask somebody, you know, what, what do you need to see harvest? What do you need to have revival? You know, they, they, they might start, you know, talking about just some of the emotional aspects of all of that. And great church and, you know, shouting and dancing and all that. And that's wonderful and that's, that's, that is a part of it. But the Lord isn't talking about, to us about those things. He's saying, let me talk to you about love. Because if you don't have the foundational stuff, you can shout all you want to shout. And you're never going to see it. you got to have the foundational stuff that you can build a real harvest on. I don't want something that's passing. I don't want something that's fleeting. I don't want something that's just a, a kind of a one Sunday wonder. I want, I want the real thing. I said I want the real thing. And I want it over a period of time until Jesus comes. And so in order to have that, I want us to build the correct culture in our church necessary to see the advancement of the kingdom and revival and harvest on a continual basis until Jesus comes. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Amen. And so one of the greatest things that uh, has to be made manifest in a growing church and in a revival church is that there must be a deep biblical love, one for another, that is present in the church. It has to be there. We can evangelize, we can knock doors all we want, but if there is no love in the church, we're never gonna see the harvest. We're never gonna see the harvest. 75 of you can be teaching Bible studies, but if we don't have love, we're not gonna see a harvest. We can clap, we can shout, we can dance, we can run the aisles all we want, but if we don't have love, Then we are powerless to bring about any kind of real revival, real change in the context of our communities and our world. For again, without love, what are we? We're a sounding brass, clashing cymbal. We are nothing. Doesn't matter what you have, we're nothing. So we see that this topic of loving one another is essential. In the New Testament church, it's essential. To prove this, we find that in the New Testament that there are 226 verses on love. The New Testament, 226 verses on love. 33 of those 226 verses are about God's love towards us. 51 of those 226 verses are about our love towards God. 23 of those verses are about what we should not love. But 119 of those 200 and- loving one another. Out loving one another. Loving one another. Far more. Far more verses than God's love towards us and our love towards God. Which again shows us, now I'm not saying it's, it's more important than those things. I think it's just God really, he knows human beings. And he knows, I, I, I'm going to have to talk about this a whole lot more because this is something they're going to struggle with. And this is an area they're going to they're they're have some issues with. So I'm going to have to talk about it a whole lot more. <laughs> so this is important. We see the importance that God's word puts On our love one for another. So now let's dig into this a little deeper. This command of loving one another. John chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you that ye also love one another. John 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. And so I want to point out simply again. I pointed out last week. I am going to point it out again this week. That to love one another was not a suggestion from God. It was a command from God. It was a command from God. It wasn't just, hey, this would be good if you did this. It was a command from God. Now, we just kind of talked about that, but I want to dig in a little bit deeper with this understanding of this command from God. Now, think, think through this with me. If God commands us to do something, then we must have the ability and that which is necessary to be obedient to the command. How many know God would never command us to do something that we didn't have the power or the ability to do? So this is where some revelation on our part needs to come into play. Because if we're not careful, we can start saying things like this, Well, I I just don't know if I have what's needed to love others like God commanded commanded me to love others. I just have a real hard time loving that individual. I just have a real... I have real conflicting feelings about that particular person. I, I just don't think I have what I need in order to love that person. But again... The Lord would never command us to do something that we didn't have the ability to do. So look at what the book says. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. God dwelleth in us. His love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us because He dwelleth in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and that He dwells in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. So these verses are telling us that if we have this love one for another as Christ told us to have, it's going to be because His Spirit. Is within us. Is that what it says? And exemplifying that love one to another is how we will know that his love is, or that his spirit truly dwells in us. Now this is important. Because what that's telling us is that God can command us to love one another. Because he also knows That his spirit within us will give us the power to be obedient to the command. Therefore, if we are filled with the spirit. Do we have any spirit-filled people in the house? If we are filled with the spirit, then we have everything necessary to love all others In the body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. So if we're filled with the Spirit, then that takes away every excuse for not loving as God has called us to love. Are you filled with the Spirit? Yes. You have no excuse. Am I filled with the Spirit? Yes. I have no excuse. I have everything necessary to love everyone. Because I've been filled with the Spirit. And if we do lack love, it's not because we lack that which is necessary. I need your your minds now. If we lack love to the body of Christ, it's not because we lack what is necessary to have love. Because we have the Spirit. But rather it is because we are tapped in to something other than the Spirit. Which is what? Our flesh. If we lack love one to another, it's because we are tapped into a source of flesh instead of the source of the Spirit. When we think we cannot love, can't love them, I just can't, that is simply an indicator that we are operating from a place of flesh. Instead of allowing the Spirit To work its work through us. Oh, hallelujah. Because you want to know what the very first fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Very first one. When you are filled with the Spirit, one of the fruits that is to be exemplified and shown in our lives, the very first one is love. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we allow his spirit to work in us, it will cause us to have love flow out of us to all others in the body. Which means that his spirit within us is greater than the words that someone may have said against us. Testing, testing. His spirit is greater than the words they said against us. Therefore, we can just keep loving them as Christ loved the church. But they said that against you. I know, but the spirit within me is greater than the words against me. So I'm going to keep allowing the spirit to propel me to a place of love that is greater than the infraction that has come against me. I'm going to keep loving them like Christ loves them. His spirit within us is greater than the hurt they may have inflicted upon us, either knowingly or unknowingly. And we're just going to keep right on loving them as Christ loved the church. I I know we're not running the aisles right now, but this is good teaching. This is important that we understand this. Because sometimes uh, what we uh, allow our love to be dictated upon is their relationship to us. What they do to us, what they say to us, how they interact with us, what the, you know, if they're kind to us, loving to us, whatever, whatever, we'll love them. But that's not the kind of love that Christ desires for us to have in the body of Christ. He said, listen, I baptize you with the Spirit. That Spirit isn't, (laughs) we got to understand that the Holy Ghost within us is far more important than just to get us to heaven. If the only point was to get us to heaven, he'd fill us and take us. But there's a great purpose for the Holy Ghost within us. It does so much. And one of the things it does is it causes us to be able to have what's necessary to have the true love one to another in spite of some difficulties. How I many know we're we're humans? You got flesh. We don't always have good days. We don't always say right things. We don't always act in the right manner. And so because of that, there's going to be some conflicts. There's going to be some issues. But the, but the word of the Lord is trying to instruct us tonight about the fact that he said even with all of those issues in the church, potential conflicts in the church, he said, I've given you my spirit and my spirit can overcome the conflict. And my spirit is greater than the thing that might, would hinder unity and love in the body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. It's not about who they are and what they said. It's not about uh, the, 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 the issue. It's not about all, it's not about all of that. It's about an understanding that rises above all of that that you have within your mind and in your heart that says, I know what they did. I know what they said. I know what the issue is. But I know the spirit within me is greater then that which has come against me. So I'm just going to keep loving them as a brother in the Lord and as a sister in the Lord. I'm just going to forgive them and I'm just going to move on and I'm going to sincerely have right relationship with them as the body of believers. Oh, hallelujah. It's the Spirit that helps us. When it becomes difficult is when we try to do this in our flesh. When we try to love in our flesh, that's when it becomes difficult. And when we try to love in our flesh... It's uh, the prerequisite is what they do to us in our flesh. Or how they act in the flesh. And it all becomes a fleshly thing. And if they say right things and do right things and act right ways in the flesh, then we respond right ways, in right ways in the flesh as well with love. But God said, no, no, no. It's not about the flesh. It's about the spirit. You got to let the spirit rule. You got to, because this transcends the church. This rises us above all of the little nitpicky problem, issue, division. It rises us above all of that because we have an understanding. The Spirit of God is within me and it gives me the power to love them in spite of. Can we love in spite of? Not in our flesh, we can't. You don't love in spite of in your flesh. But in the spirit, we can. Want to know why? Because you know who that spirit is? God. And God is what? Love. Ooh, The God that is within us is a God of love. That is his attribute. And as he flows out of us, that love is to be made manifest in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. His spirit is greater than any offense that may come against us. So what do we do? We continue. We just continue loving them as Christ loved the church. His Spirit gives us the power to love everyone, regardless of who they are, what they've done. Right? The book would say it another place like this, Galatians chapter five and verse thirteen. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Again, love is not a word, love is an action. Serve, in love serve, serve. We might talk about that at the end, but serve one another. Verse 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But then watch verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Now, this verse is exactly why I feel like God is speaking to us about the importance of loving one another. For Paul here, under the direction of the Holy Ghost and the leading of the Spirit, is telling us that we should love one another as we would love ourselves. And if we don't, he says, if you don't, he said we're going we're gonna to start biting and devouring one another to the point where all we say we want to accomplish will be consumed and die. He's showing us That it is impossible for us to have life and liberty and resurrection power at work in our midst if we do not love one another. It's impossible. It's impossible. For it is love that releases the harvest. And it is love that releases the revival. And it is love that releases the miraculous. It's love that allows us to experience the greater things of God in our midst, both individually and collectively as a church. Love. Oh, hallelujah. We don't, we don't talk about this as near what we should. This is such an important thing. Because the lack of love only causes there to be fighting. And discord talks about biting. And he says, when that has its way, he said, what that's going to do is it's going to eventually destroy everything of value, and it's going to destroy the purpose of God in your midst. That's what's going to happen. If you don't have love, there's going to start being fighting. If there's be, and fighting, it's going to stop everything that God wants to do. It's going to halt everything that God is wanting to do. It's going to hinder everything that God is wanting to accomplish. So I say again. A revival church is a church where all members of the body love all other members of the body. We need to understand tonight, and I need to understand that it's, it's bigger, this is bigger than our fleshly wills. I talked about it last Thursday, but we, we need to get a higher perspective of all of this. We need to rise above our personal things And what's going on in our personal thought processes and our personal minds and our personal stuff. We need to get a a bigger picture of the reality of 9 million people in Chicagoland that need the gift of the Holy Ghost. We need to get a bigger understanding of hundreds of cities in the Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana area that do not have an apostolic presence in those cities. Come on, if you you and I could ever get a bigger perspective of all of this, we're not going to be so bogged down with our petty little indifferences. Come on, Jesus. We're not going to get so bogged down with all of the, well, this is my feelings, and this, and this, and this is the way I feel, and this is this what they did to me. Come on. we got to get a bigger understanding of what's happening. we got to get a bigger worldview of what God's trying to accomplish in our midst and in our church, and then come to the realization and say, listen, I'm not going to allow anything in my life to hinder what God is doing in our midst. If somebody else wants to do it, that's up to them, but I'm not going to allow anything in my life to hinder what God is going to do so spirit help me spirit help me flesh I got to crucify you so that the spirit can begin to work because when the spirit works I can begin to love all others as Christ loved the church regardless of what they've done Because I understand this is big I understand this is bigger than me oh hallelujah oh hallelujah it's bigger Oh hallelujah, we walk in our flesh and walking in our flesh leads to the destruction of the whole. Walking in our flesh individually if enough of us walk in the flesh it don't take all of us but if enough of us will walk in the flesh it will destroy, hinder greatly at least what God wants to do corporately in our midst. We need to understand that we are a part of one body. What one member does affects the rest of the body. The pinky's small, but hit it with a hammer. It's going to affect the entire body. We need to understand we are not entities of ourselves. Listen, it is... It is a lie from the devil, and it is a lack of love to, to think that you are just a person that goes to this church. That what you do doesn't matter, and that your faithfulness or unfaithfulness doesn't matter, or your plugging in or not plugging in doesn't matter, or your commitment or non-commitment doesn't matter. That is, a, that is a, number one, a belief in the lie of the enemy, but it's also a lack of love because you have to understand if you are here it is because you are a member of one body come on and because you are a member of this local body of believers what you do or don't do affects everybody else it affects everybody else Man, I don't, you know, they're still going to have church on Sunday if I'm not there. They're still going to have church on Thursday if I'm not there. If I don't get plugged into the, you know, into ministry, or if I don't really get sold out, it's really not going to affect everything. You are believing a lie from the devil. It does affect. You might not see what it affects. You are coming from an argument of absence. You are argued. Your argument is based upon what you don't see right now. What what would happen if you did get committed? What could you add? What could you add if you got faithful and committed to the body of Christ like never before? What you're doing is you're looking at yourself and you're saying, Well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this and I don't have a big impact. And so if I'm not there, there there's no hole. There's no there's nothing that is uh, taken from the church because I, I I'm not really affecting much change at all anyway. So if I'm not there... They don't really miss me. It is an argument from absence, and you can't argue from absence. You've got to argue from the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord says this. He put you into the body for a purpose, and just because you're not fulfilling your purpose currently, and if you continue to not fulfill it, we might not see it, but what could you do if you were doing what God called you to do? What could the church see if you were doing what God called you to do and you were being what God called you to be? Where could we be at as a church right now? Where could we, What could we be experiencing right now? So don't believe that lie. You are important. You are necessary. Don't allow a lack of love to keep you from fulfilling your calling in the body of Christ. You are not a separate side member that just gets sewn on every Sunday. You're a part of who we are Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. It's important. We can't accomplish what is pleasing to our flesh at the expense of that which God would want to do in the spirit. That's why Paul continues talking to the church of Galatia by saying this, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. So Paul is letting them know that in order for there to be this all important love flowing in the body of Christ. It's going to be imperative that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Why? Because it's the spirit that gives us the love. Flesh, lack of love. Spirit, love. It is the spirit that gives us the power to love all others. But it is the flesh that causes us to withhold love if they don't meet certain standards. So now now look at this now because Paul says that the spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. Is that what he says? And they do not allow for us to do the things that we would do. So that you cannot do the things that you would do. Now, many times we look at this from the context of how the flesh stops the spirit. Right? As we've been talking for the last few minutes. The flesh can stop the spirit. But Paul, that's, that's not all that it says there. Because Paul is telling us that they are both contrary To one another. Just as much as the flesh is contrary to the spirit, the spirit is also contrary to the flesh. Come on now. Therefore, the spirit also has the power to hinder what the flesh would want to do. Oh, come on. So we see that when we are truly walking in the spirit, then our love will keep us from saying things that our flesh might want to say. When we are walking in the spirit, the spirit's gonna fight against the flesh and say, You don't get to do what you wanna do. And so then that causes me to not act a way that my flesh might want to act. That would bring division and discord in the body of Christ. Ooh, hallelujah. Your flesh may want to get revenge, but the Spirit gives you the love necessary to move past that moment with a spirit of meekness and a spirit of peace. This is what my flesh wants to do, but I'm going to walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit squelches the flesh. And we just keep loving. We just keep loving. We just keep loving. I know what I wanted to do in my flesh, but, man, I let the Spirit rule. I let the Spirit reign, and it kept me. It kept me from getting into it. It kept me from division. It kept me from infighting. It kept me from all that kind of stuff. It warred against my flesh and allowed me to love, love, love. Which is what the book says in another place like this. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, and above all things, have fervent charity or love. Have fervent love among yourselves. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, to cover that that phrase, to cover their sins, doesn't mean that their sins are forgiven by us. That if we love them, their sins can be forgiven. That's not what it's talking about. But it does because only God can do that, right? But it does mean that our love towards them causes us to have no ill will towards them. The fervent love that we are to have one for another would cause us to forgive them. And when it says to cover, it means that we, sh- we would desire to shield their failures and shield their faults. From everybody that doesn't need to know about it. We're not going to spread gossip about it. We're not going to talk to people about it. No, we love them too much. And we're not going to remember it five years and ten years and twenty years down the road. It means our love towards them causes us to move quickly and biblically beyond any affronts they may have brought against us affront against us, but our love towards them that the Spirit helps us to have, causes us to quickly and biblically move forward with forgiveness, long-suffering, meekness. It means our love towards them causes us to show all others grace, to be long-suffering towards them, to refuse To bring up that which has already been forgiven. We covered it. We don't think about it. We don't hold it against them. We don't think about it when we see them. That's what real love among the church looks like in reality. Now hear me. It goes far beat. Now this is so important. I felt like the Holy Ghost just kind of put his hand on me and studied today. And I I, I want, this is important. This goes far beyond just being nice to one another. This goes far beyond just being cordial one to another. For how many know you can be cordial to someone you don't really love? You can be nice, kind to somebody you don't really love. This is talking about something, and I need everybody to hear me. This is talking about something far greater than just getting along. So as not to cause a scene. Just doing our best to be civil one with another. That is not what New Testament biblical love is supposed to look like. Hear me now. We cannot take our cultural mindset about going along to get along. Yeah, we're just going along to get along. We don't want to rock the boat, so we just kind of, they do their thing and I do my thing, but we don't really. That's not love. We cannot become satisfied to just agree to disagree about interpersonal relationships that are conflicted one with another. You know, we got this conflict here. You know, we just found it best to just agree to disagree. So what you're saying is you're living in disagreement with a brother or sister in the Lord. And for some reason we think that's good. We're just going to agree to disagree we're just going to agree <laughs> to be disobedient to the word of the lord and have disagreement and a lack of unity and division between us because you know if we really got into it and there'd be it'd be ugly yeah why because of flesh it wouldn't be ugly if the spirit was ruling it wouldn't be ugly if our Mouth and our mind was controlled by the spirit. It's only ugly when our mouth and mind is controlled by our flesh and our feelings and our emotions and our will. That's when it gets ugly. And individuals in the church, for some reason, they think it's a, you know, they're spiritual because they know it could get ugly, so they agree to disagree. Disagree. So now they're living in division because of the ugliness that's between them, and they think that they're doing right. That is not New Testament love. That is not biblical love. I'll leave them alone, they leave me alone, and we'll go on and have revival. No, we won't. And no, you won't in your life and in your home For God is not going to bless disunity in the body. And God cannot bless a lack of love in the body. And God is not going to bless division in the body. Oh, hallelujah. He's just not going to do it. So for us to say, well, we're just going to, you know, we'll just kind of go our separate ways, but we'll keep coming to church and we're going to go forward in revival. No, no, we won't go forward in revival. We won't. This is what God's talking to us about. This is why it's so important that we love one another. And we allow the Spirit to help us. Love. Well, you just don't know what they did. You just don't know what they said. No, I might not know, but I do know that the Spirit is greater. I know that. I know the Spirit is greater than whatever happened between the two of you. I do know that. And I know that if there isn't any resolution, it's not because the spirit doesn't want to work. It's because the flesh is working overtime. So in fact, this is exactly what Paul was dealing with in the church of Philippi. For it's one of the only churches when he's writing to the, to the churches, it's one of the only churches that, is he, that he doesn't have to correct for doctrinal issues. All the other ones, you know, they were having some doctrinal issues going on. But he didn't have to correct them for this. But look at what he does have to deal with. Philippians chapter 4 verse 2, he's writing now and he says, I, I beseech Eudeus and I beseech Shintish that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now notice, there's a couple ladies here. They, weren't, they were not bad women at all. For the next verse, and we'll read it here shortly, but the next verse tells us that they were a great help to Paul in the ministry. So they were used mightily by God. They helped the ministry. They were plugged in to what God was, uh, as far as how God was wanting to use them personally. They didn't have any doctrinal issues. They didn't have any doctrinal conflicts. But Paul knew that there was an interpersonal division between these two ladies in the church at Philippi. And he knew that their division could stop the work of the Holy Ghost just as quick as false doctrine could. Paul knew that their lack of love, one for another, was going to stop what God was wanting to do in their midst. So Paul calls them out in love. He was kind in love, but he calls them out by name. Now, think about this now. These letters were sent to the church. Somebody would get up and they were to read this letter. To the entire church. And oh Judius was sitting over there. And I guarantee you, oh Sintish was all the way over there. I guarantee they ain't sitting together. And they're all excited about church this day. We got a new letter from Paul. What is he gonna talk about? We were, what is I wonder if he's gonna talk about those times. We helped him in ministry. So the person gets up and they start, <laughs> they start reading. And he said, hey, I wish, oh, Euteus and Sintish, I wish they'd get their act together. Well, what do you think them two ladies were doing in church that day? So Paul calls them out in love, but he calls them out by name. Knowing full well that this was going to be read in front of the whole church. Knowing full well, everybody would hear their names called out. But you know what that should let us know? That should let us know that these two women must have allowed this issue to grow and to fester over a long period of time. And now it's beginning to hinder the church. Now it's beginning To hinder the church This wasn't wasn't something that just started Between these two women Paul's not even there Word had to be sent to Paul And if it was just a little Momentary disagreement That word never gets to Paul But I guarantee you Word came And Paul just prayed about it And then another Paul, you're going to have to do something about these women We're just going to pray about it. Hopefully they do what's right. Hopefully they get together. Hopefully they get unified. We're just going to pray. Paul, they're still at it. Until finally Paul realized, listen, I'm going to have to address these two ladies in a public way. Because it is now beginning to hurt the church. It is now beginning to hinder what God is wanting to do in the church. This wasn't just something that only a few people knew about or else Paul would have never made it public like he did. This was something that everybody knew about. It had been going on for quite some time. A lack of willingness on their parts to allow the Spirit to move in them in love to bring about reconciliation. So now Paul has to lovingly deal with it But he does so in a manner where the entire church knew about it. This is how serious, this is how serious this situation was in its ability to hinder the church. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody good? Everybody awake? (laughs) The potential, listen now, the potential embarrassment of these two women was worth it to Paul if it fixed what could potentially hinder the entire church. He said, you know what, I may embarrass these two women, and I love these two women, and these two women helped me, and and they got ministry in their lives, and they, they did a good job at one point, but now they're hurting the church, and I know I might embarrass them, but if they'll receive it in love, and if they'll receive the rebuke and the correction in love, It's going to stop the disunity and what God wants to do in the church can begin to flow. Paul says, (coughs) Paul, the Bible says, entreated these two women to come to a place of love and unity with one another. Entreated. That word entreat means to implore, to admonish. One one definition says, it, 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 it even is such a serious word that it means to beg. He, was, he implored with such intensity that it was almost like he was begging them because he understood. What you guys are doing is hindering the work of the Lord. Would you please love one another? Please, for the sake of the church, for the sake of revival, for the sake of the harvest, for the sake of the call of God, In Philippi, would you please love one another? Would you please come together? Put all that stuff behind you. He begs them. He understood the power of love. He understood the power of unity in the church. So he's imploring, 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 begging. Get it right. And then Paul says this in the next verse, Philippians 4 and 3. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Now watch what it says. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. See, there again, these are good women. They labored with him in the gospel. Made great sacrifices in the ministry. But they had a lack of love. And it was hindering the church. And look at what Paul says. He says, they need some help. Now just think. give me your minds. These women probably thought they were in the right. Would would that be a safe assumption? Because most people that get into a situation like that and dig their heels in like they were digging their heels in, it's because they feel like, I'm right. I'm right. They probably thought they had a legitimate cause for their disunity. They probably thought that both of them thought they were justified in their actions. Well, I feel totally justified in the way I feel. I feel totally justified in my actions, and this is what I said, and this is what I did, and I never did anything wrong. It's so funny dealing with people that have interpersonal conflicts. Neither one of them ever did anything wrong. I said all the right things. And the other person says, I said all the right things. I acted perfectly, biblically. The other person acted perfectly and biblically, and yet, here we are. See, and when you think you're right, you don't think you need help. Who needs help? The other person needs help. I'm the one that's right. I don't need help, but they do. You really need to pray for them. You re- you, they really could use some counsel. They really could, you know, they, they Pastor, they need it. I'm, go- I'm totally fine. I'm totally well. But they need it. So that's how both parties feel. I don't need the help. The other one needs the help. But Paul says they both need help. See that? Paul says, they both need help. What they're doing is not right. Even though they think it's right, it's not right. They need help. What they're doing and what they're feeling, even though they think it's justified, it's not justified. If it was justified, they wouldn't need help. They need help. What they're doing is not correct, even though they feel like it's correct. Because the problem is it's all about what they feel, which is what? Flesh. They're not walking in the spirit. They're walking in the flesh. They need help. What they're doing is hurting the church. So they need help in order to stop hurting the church. If they don't get it fixed, hear me now, if they don't get it fixed amongst themselves, you're going to have to step in and do something. Because you can't keep allowing this to go on. Because it's going to hinder the church. So please don't get offended when pastor preaches to you about forgiving somebody. Making it right with somebody. Having love with somebody and unity with somebody. Don't get offended about that. Up until now I don't know that I've ever called a name out over the pulpit. But Paul gave me liberty. So just go ahead and get it right before Pastor has to call names. Because that wouldn't be good for me or you. It's the will of God for us to help those who are in division. Because it does not just affect you. It affects all of us. Because why? We're one body. One body. One body. One body. One body. So this next verse, and I'm hurrying to a close. This verse, next verse tells us exactly what we're supposed to do and exactly what our love is supposed to look like one to another. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. That word fervent has two definitions. The first being intentional. Everybody say intentional. Our love should be intentional one to another. Well, they know I love them. <laughs> That's not intentional. Our love should be intentional one towards another. Our love one to another isn't just some vague feeling we have. Well, I just love everybody. It's just this feeling that I have. you know. Our love is not a vague feeling that we have. It is an intentional action. We should show forth our love one to another. We should make manifest into the reality of action our love one to another. We should make known our love one towards another. And the other definition of that word fervent is without ceasing. Without ceasing. Everybody say without ceasing. Therefore, we see that our love towards all others in the body of Christ doesn't stop when they do something we don't like, because it's to be without ceasing. Well, I love them as long as they do what I want them to do. That's flesh; it's not spirit. It's not loving them as Christ loves them. Thank the Lord; He doesn't stop loving me when I do stuff contrary to His word. And if I'm to love others like Christ loves me, then I need to let I need to love everybody else, even when they do stuff to me I don't like. Come on now. Our love towards others in the church doesn't stop when they say stuff that offends us. No, it might not feel good, but that's when we got to crucify the flesh. And we got to let the spirit rule. Hallelujah. When somebody else gets the position, when somebody else gets the solo. When, we don't have a lot of solos, but. <laughs> the three we have in the year. When somebody else gets the ministry opportunity, we don't stop loving them just because it wasn't us. No, no, no. Our love one to another is to be without ceasing, without ceasing. The moment we say there's a reason to not love somebody in the body of Christ is the moment we are contradicting the word of the Lord. And it's the moment we are being disobedient to the word of the Lord. The moment we rationalize a reason for not loving one another is the moment we are disobedient to the word of the Lord. Because he said you are to love without ceasing, which is very hard to do in the flesh, but that's why we are to walk in the spirit. So what are we supposed to do? We're to just make right what is wrong. You make it right. You seek after biblical restoration with the individual. You forgive the individual quickly and you ask for forgiveness from the individual quickly. You don't wait a month. You don't wait three months. You don't wait six months or a year or two years and have all this junk inside of your heart and inside of your mind. No, 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 no. Quickly you make resolution. Quickly you go to the person. Because they're, they're, you have a higher perspective. It's not about you and I. But the enemy's planted something between us. And I don't want it to hinder what God's called me to do. And I know you don't want it to hinder what God's called you to do. Because we're a part of a body. And we don't want it to hinder what God's called the entire church to accomplish. And because I have a higher perspective of what's going on here, I see the enemy at work. And I'm not going to let him be at work. So I'm going to crucify my flesh, walk in the Spirit, forgive easily, ask forgiveness easily, love one another, forgive one another, give mercy to one another, give grace one to another, be long-suffering one to another, extend mercy and mercy and mercy and more mercy one to another, and love one another as Christ loved the church. Now that doesn't mean that there's not correction. Because how many know sometimes correction is the most loving thing you can do? So it doesn't mean we just let everybody slide and do whatever. No, we are to be loving as Christ loved the church. But the correction needs to be biblical. And the right person needs to correct them. And us holding, see here's what we do. Us holding unforgiveness is our way of correcting them. It doesn't fix anything, but we feel like we're correcting them because we're bitter towards them. We're unforgiving towards them. That is our judgment towards them for what they did. Come on now. Don't do that, and I don't want to do that. Let's let God be the judge of everybody, and let's just forgive and love and be merciful and let God deal with it. Let the pastor deal with it. Striving to be obedient to the word of the Lord when it says this, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What's interesting about this word endeavoring is it means to use speed. I just referenced it a minute ago. It means to be use speed, to make an effort, to be earnest, to be prompt about keeping the unity of the spirit. Not something you wait to do, it's not something you harbor for years and then eventually get around to it. No, no, no. Endeavoring means quickly. The moment it's small, as soon as it's done, as soon as the word is the, the interaction happened, or the division happened, or the, the wrong was done. You endeavor. I want to keep the unity of the spirit. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. I want to get this right. I want to figure this out. Oh, hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Oh, hallelujah. I close with this. John chapter 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world into the Father... Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. We are to love one another as Christ loved us. He loved them until the end. So if we are to love one another as Christ loved us, then we need to be willing to love one another until the end. Which means that we love them until it's complete. Until whatever needs to be finished is finished. Until it's been resolved. Until the answer has been found. Until the remedy has been applied. Until the problem has been fixed. We love them until the end. Oh, hallelujah. We love them until they're changed or we're changed or we're both changed. We just keep right on loving We love them until they allow the Holy Ghost to move on them and we allow the Holy Ghost to move on us and the resolution is made perfect and beautiful in the sight of God. We just keep loving until that happens. Sometimes it might not be fixed in a day. Sometimes it might need the help of some counselors. Fine, we've got counselors. We'll help you. But guess what? Through that whole process, it's not about fighting. It's not about discord. It's not about division. It's about, yeah, we got some issues, but I love you and you love me. Let's get into some counseling. Let's get into some help. Let's get a third party in here to help us because I love you too much to have this division, and I want the will of God over this church. We love them until the end. We love them until attitudes shift. We love them until revelation is received. We love them until we get to the place of true repentance. Them, us, both of us. We love them until we all understand the importance of it all. We might not get it. They might not understand it. It might be still walking some flesh. But we just keep loving until they get revelation. Or maybe we're the people that need the revelation. We love them until they soften. We love them until their will breaks or our will breaks. We love them until our will aligns with the word of God or their will aligns with the word of God. We love them until the end. We don't stop loving them. We don't withhold love until they get it right. We love them until the end. That's how Christ loved us. That's how we need to love one another. We can't do it in the flesh, but we can do it in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Stand to your feet if you would. Lift your hands. Can somebody just respond to the word of the Lord tonight. Somebody respond to the word of the Lord tonight. I got one more important thing I need to say before we dismiss. Some direction I feel like the Holy Ghost has given to me. Come on, let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to love one another until the end. In meekness, let us prefer one another. Let us submit ourselves one to another. Let us esteem all others higher than ourselves. Let us love one another to the place of high honor in our lives. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus Oh, hallelujah, Jesus Oh, hallelujah, Jesus Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now I feel the presence of the Lord speaking to hearts right now I believe God's trying to give revelation and understanding to our church.